conversations and thinking around it's all of my salary is going on childcare because I've never felt that that's a helpful way to look at it. First of all, it's not all of your salary because the childcare is usually something that's supporting both parents to work. Mm. And also, as you say, it's an investment. So even if a large portion of pay is going on fees, that's protecting your future earnings and your future career prospects. So I think it's really important not to allow yourself and you as a couple to be drawn into negative thinking around those costs. A very warm welcome to the Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I'm the CEO and founder of Leaders Plus, an award-winning social enterprise dedicated to supporting leaders with babies and with young children to continue to progress their careers. Today's podcast is supported by the London Women's Leadership Network, part of the NHS London Leadership Academy, which is a pan-London NHS leadership development organisation working to support healthcare leaders across the capital. Leaders Plus has worked with the NHS London Leadership Academy to develop practical guidance for managers and parents in the NHS to navigate that very crucial period before, during and after maternity leave, share parental leave and adoption leave. If you are about to go on parental leave or are just about to return to work, I highly recommend you download the guidance for free from the NHS London Leadership Academy website or the Leaders Plus website. It is aimed at people in the NHS, but most of it is very relevant across sectors. All too often, new mums and dads tell me they feel they need to choose between their career aspirations and enjoying their young children. And I just think it shouldn't have to be this way. And it doesn't have to be this way. And that's why I set up a fellowship programme for Leaders with Babies, which includes senior leader mentors, career development support, general support with work-life balance and so on. But I realised that actually... The role models that we speak to on the programme have so much more to offer and I want a wider group of people to be able to access them than can actually sit in the room during the fellowship programme. So that's why I set up this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you find it useful. My aim is that you can take away some really practical tips as well as some inspirational food for thought to help you find the way that works for you in combining and maintaining your ambitious career aspirations whilst looking after your baby or toddler. And my guest today is the wonderful Dr. Susie Minton, the a consultant paediatrician at the Royal London Children's Hospital and clinical lecturer at Barts and the London Medical School. Uh, really happy to have you here, Susie. And obviously you've been one of the first fellows of the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programmes, which supports people on maternity leave, share parental leave and beyond. But we had many interesting conversations, I thought, over the programme, but I've never had a chance to actually sit together properly with you for an hour to t- talk. So, yeah, really happy to do that today. Oh, so, thank you so much for having me. So if you tell me a bit more about uh, what your role is and how you got there, as well as your family circumstances and the biggest learning point for you so far in combining leadership career with looking after young children? So my job at the moment is I'm a consultant paediatrician and also do some lecturing at the medical school. So my job mostly involves seeing sick children, both inpatients in the hospital and also seeing children and their parents in outpatient clinics. And then a, a smaller part of my job is doing some lecturing and teaching to undergraduate medical students, teaching them about paediatrics and child health. In terms of my family, I've got three children. They are aged nine, six, and my youngest is just um, one. So I've had my children over quite a long time. And um, my first child was born when I was quite a lot more junior. I was a very new registrar, a more junior doctor. And then my second child was also born when I was a junior doctor. And then I had my last child shortly after I became a consultant. I think, gosh, it's there's so many things that I've learned through sort of the different times of being pregnant, being on maternity leave and then returning to work. And I think the thing that really comes through to me the most, I suppose, is that there are so many challenges associated with the huge changes in life that becoming a parent and returning to work bring. But I think the thing that I've learned the most is that you have to be kind to yourself. And I think that so many times we place huge expectations on ourselves to be the perfect parent, to come back to work and be amazing and high achieving in the workplace. And I think that actually, for me, the thing I've learned the most is that you have to be sort of kind to yourself and allow yourself time to get back to where you were before. And it's really important to acknowledge that 
you can still be ambitious as well as returning to work, but that you don't have to do it all at once. Yeah, I think that's very, very powerful and important. I want to pick up on your journey because obviously your youngest child, did you say nine years ago? Yeah, he's nine now, my oldest, yeah. When you were pregnant with him, what were your thoughts and hopes and fears about your careers? And how has that, has that changed at all? How, How has your thinking evolved, I guess? I think when I was pregnant with my first child, I was super excited to become a mother. But I also was quite anxious in a way about what this would mean for me professionally. I was 32 and I had my youngest child. And I'd so I'd been a doctor for quite a few years. I was quite committed to a career in pediatrics. And that was my career path was to be a junior doctor in pediatrics and to become a consultant. And I very much had that vision. And I'd always worked full time and you know, been very career focused prior to um, having my first child. But, you know, I knew that I was definitely going to have a good period of time of maternity leave. I, I took nine months off with my first. And I knew that coming back to work would mean returning to, you know, quite long hours, night shifts, working weekends. And I was anxious about how that would work in terms mm-hmm. of what it would mean for my home life and spending time with my child. But also I was kind of anxious in the other way about would I be able to be committed at work? And would I, you know, would I feel it for myself in terms of that commitment to my career? But also I was very conscious of how would other people judge me? Because I suppose I'd very much had seen myself before as someone that was extremely reliable and dependable and, you know, a hard worker that would get the job done. And I was a little bit worried about what, you know, how that perception might change. And I suppose I also had another kind of theme that I was wondering how being a mother would change me in terms of how I felt about my work. And I suppose in my work, a big part of my job is seeing children who are very sick and unwell and who, you know, have huge potential problems in their lives. And I I had always felt that I'd coped with that quite well before I had children. And I, I also knew that that might change when I had my own children. So, mm-hmm. that, yeah, there were lots of things I was sort of quite anxious about, particularly with my first pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And can you say something about how your thinking evolved either after that particular pregnancy or as you went on to have more children? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things for me was that I, although I really enjoyed my maternity leave, it was really clear to me being on maternity leave that actually I really missed my job. And Mm. in a way that was really powerful because it helped me realise that actually, although it was wonderful to become a mother, I really loved my job and getting back to my job and, you know, continuing that through my, the rest of my life was going to be really important to me. So in some ways it was a, it was really empowering to have that break from work and that it really made me realize how much I did love my job. So in terms of returning to work, I came back to work after my first child working 60% of full time. So I worked three days a week, most weeks. And I did find coming back to work quite challenging in lots of ways. I think actually I had good childcare and leaving my child, that sort of turned out to be okay. And I felt that three days a week did give me a really good work-life balance. In terms of returning to work, I think the biggest challenges for me were actually not how other people treated me because in my workplace, I felt that I was very much welcomed back as a less than full-time worker and that people were very understanding about what I could and couldn't commit to. But I did find the things I found hardest was firstly, the kind of sense of confidence in myself. I felt worried that I had forgotten things or that things that I used to feel confident on I no longer was had that sort of sense of certainty that I was definitely doing it correctly. And then also I did find the impact of seeing children that were the same age or similar ages to my own child that were very sick or, you know, potentially going to have a poor outcome was really challenging. And I think that that, that did change for me between, you know, not having children and having my own children. And it, it definitely needed a period of adjustment when I came back. I can imagine. And during that period of adjustment or as you prepared for your return to work, what really helped you both during your first maternity leave and and your last? What helped you overcome those challenges? So I think the thing that made the biggest difference to me was probably time. And with every time that I've come back, I've definitely had that sense of feeling that I'm a bit rusty and not feeling that confidence in myself and my abilities. And it's always got better with time. I think the thing that made the biggest difference probably was hearing from senior colleagues who'd had children to get that honest reassurance Mm. that what I was feeling was normal and didn't mean that there was a problem with me and the reassurance that 
it would get better. And I think also the external reassurance that although I may feel rusty, that that wasn't what people perceived or what people were seeing. And mm. so that also gave me the confidence to feel that I, I could mm. do it. And then I think a big thing for me with, with the two maternity leaves I had subsequently was that I trusted in myself that I'd sensed I had had this feeling before and that it had got better. And that actually part of it was that I needed to be a bit kinder to myself in that not expecting to be right back where I had been on day one, but that it would come. And I think that's been a big difference as well in the subsequent times I've taken maternity leave to, mm. compared to the first time. Yeah, I can imagine. And and I think the point around seeing role models who've been there and done that and also being you basically were your own role model, right? Because you <laughs> had been yeah, through, yeah. through it. I think that's so important. And sometimes you, especially for people who work in male dominated environments, that can be really tough. If you're the first woman who goes yes. on maternity leave or your first dad who takes shared parental leave. And that, well, as you know, that's why we have the mentors, which is really powerful on the Leaders Plus program. You mentioned ambition at the beginning as well. Can you tell me a bit more about how your ambition, you know, like or one thing I actually hear a lot from when I work, I do it explicitly, but often an implicit assumption is made, you know, that as soon as a woman pushes a baby out or has a baby cut out of her, she isn't ambitious anymore at work. And you mentioned your own reflections about your ambition. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And I think that actually, and almost for me, an element of that was that I felt that that view was in some ways so pervasive in society, not necessarily in my own field, but just in general, that I actually almost questioned it over myself because I knew that I'd always been ambitious before having children. And I almost felt this you know, sense of anxiety of once I've had my baby, will I lose my ambition? And, you know, I felt that that belief that perhaps once you've had children, you won't be as ambitious had almost affected me. But I, and I suppose for myself, it was actually almost a relief to feel like, no, I am still ambitious. Mm -hmm. And I do still want the same things for my career that I wanted before I had children. And definitely, I feel that, you know, you have to sort of be quite vocal about it at times. And, mm -hmm. And I suppose I've always since having children worked less than full time. And I think that alongside having children is another thing that can sometimes make people perceive you as less as less ambitious. I do feel in in my career in, you know, in being in the NHS and in medicine and perhaps particularly in pediatrics where we do have a lot of a lot of women that there are very few barriers actually to that. And people have generally on an individual level not made me feel that I'm any less you know, valid or, or ambitious or that my ambitions are less achievable for working less than full time. I think that getting to where I am now has probably taken me a bit longer because I didn't work full time and I took career breaks for maternity leave. But I don't think that I would necessarily hold a more senior position now than if I'd never had children. Mm. But I, I also recognize that I'm extremely fortunate in being able to say that and that probably would not necessarily be the experience of women in other fields, mm. perhaps. One piece of advice that I always found extremely useful and just, you know, when you when you have these moments where you think, oh, right, I've, I've fallen a bit behind on my very ambitious schedule yeah. <laughs> for career progression. What I find really helpful is to think that actually most of us will probably work to 70 or more. And so there is time. We shouldn't just let external assumptions about your careers or your own assumptions hinder us from... from um, continuing to progress. Yes, I think that's so important, actually. And I think if I if I was giving myself advice from, you know, 10 years ago, when I was first pregnant with my first child, mm -hmm. it would be that sense that actually, we have so much more time than it feels like. And so much of our, our sort of anxiety and stress is, is that does revolve around having to do everything now. And also a little bit, I suppose, that sense of seeing people that were once your peers, slightly accelerate ahead of you, mm -hmm. if you're taking that break, but I can very much see now that that actually I still feel like I've got a lot of years of work ahead of me and now my family you know I think my family's complete now I can see that I won't be taking those breaks now and there's still plenty of time so I think that's also really important is that ambition isn't it's not a binary thing you know our ambition does kind of have peaks and then where we're really feeling that drive and we're really moving forward. But then also it's still okay to have periods where you do take your foot off the accelerator a little bit and allow yourself that time to focus more towards your family. But that if you do that for a bit, you're not saying, well, I'm never going to be ambitious or back in that peak of ambition again. And I think that's another really important piece of mm -hmm. advice that I, I wish I'd kind of 
been able to see a bit more clearly right right mm. back when I had my first child. Where's your ambition now? What are you ambitious for at the moment? Well, I mean, at the moment, I feel like I'm still very new in this role of being a consultant. And I think my ambition at the moment is really around um, really reestablishing myself after this last period of maternity leave. And at the moment, my ambitions are around how I can become really good at the job I'm doing now. I still feel like I'm getting the hang of being mm. good at this job. And I, I want, you know, I want to be really confident and good in my current role. And then I have so many things I'd love to develop over the, you know, the next few years in the medium to long term. I'd love to do some really exciting work locally with our young people and think about how we can really improve services in East London for, for teenagers and young adults. I'm also really excited to do some work with the undergraduate teaching and develop some more uh, learning around child health and make that really a something that we can really inspire our undergraduate students to want to take forward in their careers. Fantastic. And just thinking about your, you know, the practical things that you're putting in place in order to support you being fully engaged and being very ambitious at work. Is, is there anything practical that you have put in place um, that makes it possible for you to do that? So one thing that I've found really helpful is to be very clear about when I am and I'm not available. So mm. I think in my work, because it's very much work that has to be done geographically in the building our, our patients are here the clinical notes are here it's actually not very easy to do work from home which I think for me has been a huge blessing because I'm either at home with my children or I'm at work and focused on work and for me that's actually been a really helpful divide so one thing that I've found super helpful is having really robust childcare on the three days that I'm at work so that I can be fully present work quite long days engage with my clinical work but with the knowledge that the two days I don't work I won't be fielding phone calls and emails because people know that those are the days I don't work and I don't get contacted generally on those days unless there's something super urgent which which very rarely happens and I think for me that's been really helpful hmm. but again I think that's perhaps a particular of my kind of work I also wonder if in some ways, it makes it harder that I can't work from home because it, it doesn't allow me the flexibility of being able to, you know, potentially move my work around. It's very set on certain days of the week. As I mentioned before we um, started the recording, the part of the reason why I set up this podcast is because well, we run the fellowship, which is brilliant, but we want to make it more, the learning more accessible to more people. Just thinking back to your time on the fellowship program, to your conversation with your mentors, with your peers, to the workshops around career development as a parent is there anything that particularly stuck out to you now nine months later that you think is important for other people to consider I mean gosh there were so many amazingly useful parts of the fellowship program thinking about the things that really stood out so one of the things I found really useful was the mentorship so I had a mentor who was from a completely different field from me I feel that in my career in medicine, I have benefited hugely from a number of amazing mentors, but all of them have been doctors. So through Leaders Plus, I got a mentor who was a senior lawyer in a media company, and she was amazing. She was somebody who I would never have normally met in my professional life, and our careers are completely different. But the insights I got from her were things that would have never been accessible to me through medicine. And I also found it hugely empowering having a mentor who was in no way kind of connected to my field because it meant that I felt totally uninhibited from kind of hiding things from her that I felt might damage my career. So, you know, I, I didn't feel I had to hold anything back because it's not likely that we'll ever work together in the future. And she wasn't really acting in a sort of sponsor role much more as a mentor. So one of the things that was really useful about working with her is that she challenged so many assumptions that I have about professional work, given that I've only ever worked in the NHS. So she really pushed me to ask for more feedback at work, to be more open with my seniors about my ambition to, and to sort of really drive my own career forward. And I, and I have found that really useful mm. in a way that I hadn't really you know, thought about that before. So that was one thing that really stood out for me. I also really enjoyed the sort of well, I enjoyed all of Leaders Plus, actually. But one of the things that was also really useful was the chance to do some career development workshops and think about in a structured way where we wanted our careers to be in the future. And I found that sort of 
freedom to really think quite ambitiously and quite openly about what you really wanted to achieve in the next sort of five years, 10 years was really helpful. And having that sort of structure around it and the the need to be quite committed to it and present it was really useful. And I don't think I've ever really been invited to think in that way before, certainly not in that structured format. So that was really useful. And for me, another hugely powerful thing from Leaders Plus was that it gave me a chance to build a sort of network and cohort with a group of other professionals at a similar level to me, but from a real range of fields, which again, I've never really had that opportunity before. And that was really amazing and has really stayed with me. And the things that I learned from the other fellows was really powerful. And I think actually, honestly, made me much more appreciative of the benefits in my own career and the things that have been afforded to me. And I've seen that it's not always, and it's not always like that. And that that's Mm. actually been really a positive thing for me and made me much more determined that in the future I I will do everything I can to help you know more junior people than mm. than me who are who are returning to work from maternity leave. That's really interesting about the usefulness of someone who is not in your work and doesn't make the same assumptions. And I would say to any listeners who are who would love to have the same mentor, if people love being asked for advice, it is really easy to ask for mentors. So earlier on in my careers, I used to just stalk people whose job I wanted <laughs> or, or who inspired me in some shape yeah. or form. Uh, for let's say on LinkedIn, if you're using LinkedIn as a social networking platform and just send them really brief message. I find your profile very inspiring. I would love to have a coffee conversation to get advice on my career. And I think just when you're asking someone for a mentor, don't ask them directly first at first corner. You can do if you know them. But yeah. I think sometimes people are a bit like, oh, I don't know if I'm good enough to be a mentor. Actually, a lot of very senior people even are not sure if they're good enough to be mentors, which is interesting. So I think ask first for a conversation about general career support. And people love being asked for advice. It's very flattering. And then perhaps at the end of that conversation, if you think you click well, ask yeah. if you could have you know, a few conversations, let's say over a year, so the person doesn't feel like they're committing forever. Yeah. Um, four to five conversations. And I think that will be quite useful. And especially if you're a parent, sometimes I find that very senior leaders who are parents, they have been, you know, the trailblazers 10, 20 years ago, and they've, they've got the <laughs> battle mark to show yeah. it. And so they're very happy to share their experience and their uh, yearning to uh, share that. So, yeah. Anyways, so it's very, all I'm saying is it's very easy to get an external mentor and not hold back asking because as I said, it it can be very powerful. Really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. You touched on this a little bit, but I want to explore it a bit more. What what is the best ever advice that you've got? Oh, there's so many good advice that I've had. And actually, I think in a way, the thing that for me made the biggest difference was when people have advised me that it's it's normal not to feel that you're at your very best when you come back from maternity leave and that it's really important not to either make big decisions about what you can and can't achieve in the future or to shy away from work in that first year back and and I think that it's very tempting when you come back and you're finding it hard which I think is normal to feel that sense of like I can't do this and I'm and I actually I I can't go for this promotion or I I can't make this role work anymore. And to really pull back and make big decisions in that very first year or six months back from maternity leave. But I think the advice that has helped me the most is just to understand that it's normal to find it hard and it won't always be like that and that it's okay to spend, you know, that period readjusting and being kind to yourself, but not to put barriers there that will maybe limit you in the future because it will get easier and I think that's been really important to me Mm. and that's something I really want other people to feel is that you know even if it does seem hard you don't even though you don't have to necessarily be pushing forward massively in that first period it's also really important not to burn your bridges and to to make decisions that will hold you back in the future because it it won't always feel so difficult. Mm. Well, or what advice do you have um, for people on managing their superiors who often are very busy people who have a lot going on and you going on maternity leave or share friendly leave and coming back is probably at the bottom of their to-do list. What advice do you have? What, what things should someone say to their manager before going on maternity leave, during maternity leave and afterwards? Gosh, so I agree that I think 
often these these things are massive to us it's everything isn't it the, mm. the pregnancy the starting the going off the being off then the coming back and it is really hard when it's not ev- the top of everybody else's agenda one thing that i found that's worked really well for me is being kind of open and honest but also trying to be very clear in my mind what i actually want and i think especially for people like me and i think so many um, people who have been kind of ambitious and hard workers and very career focused prior to their first child is that you know, we want to be helpful and flexible and, you know, be seen as that person that can do everything. And actually part of becoming a parent and making that adjustment, I think is about, you know, you can no longer be a hundred percent flexible and committed to everything at work. And, you know, you probably don't want to be anymore. So one thing I've found really helpful is just trying to achieve that real clarity myself over what I can and can't do. So, so that when I then have those conversations about returning from maternity leave, you know, you're not ending up in a situation where you're offering to do things that you can't, that you then have to backtrack on. And I can see that that for your seniors is going to be more frustrating. So for me, I've always found it much easier to have those conversations once I'm very clear about, you know, these are the days I can work. These are the days I can't work. These are the things I think I can offer. This things Mm. will be challenging for me. And so that I'm bringing that clarity to the conversation and then people feel that, you know, they at least have that information mm. rather than sort of getting drawn into saying, oh, well, I can try and do this and I can, I'll do my best to fit it, fit that in. And then, you know, having to have further conversations over what you can and can't deliver, I think is, is more, mm. more difficult. Absolutely. I, I would agree that, that clarity is so important. And one thing we talk about, obviously, as you know, in the fellowship a lot is around communicating in a way that engages your senior just so that you're making your life easier and something that is very important is that you always lead with a yes just because we know the research says that four in ten people think mothers coming back from maternity leave are less committed to work than other women now you know we can get really annoyed about this which we probably are (laughs) actually that is the reality of how four out of ten people think so managing that proactively and leading with saying I'm very passionate about my career because you know people may be assuming so you're positively counteracting that saying I'm very passionate about my career I really want to do I'm so passionate about this hospital I really want the children to do this that and the other um you can help me by just to inform you at the I have these and these commitment this is where I really can be flexible here is where for now I have to have uh, clear boundaries and then saying this is how you can help me because I speak to a lot of line managers and you'd be surprised how many line managers are really they want to help but sometimes those who have children uh, those who don't have children but but sometimes also those who have had children ages ago they sometimes don't realize they just don't know that basic things they're saying that are completely normal to them are very rude to you or they don't know you know they might make assumptions that you don't want to work any evenings let's say if you're working in an office job or they might make an assumption that now as you say you know there's no ambition anymore so just positively counteracting that by being like a broken record this is my ambition this is what i want to achieve and this is how uh, i want to get there and this is what i need from you I think it's going to be very powerful. On the clarity, do you mind giving me an example of how, you know, something that you have communicated or where you set a boundary and how that went? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, one of the, the challenges when I came back, certainly this time, has been that, you know, there's certain things I really want to get involved in, but then the meetings on a Monday or Tuesday, which are the days I don't work and I look after my daughter. So I think for me, there's often been that real pull of people saying, oh, could you just you know, for an an example would be somebody saying, could you just pop in for that meeting that's for two hours on a Monday? And I think there's very much an internal struggle of, oh, I really want to get to that meeting. Could I get somebody to look after the baby for a couple of hours and I'll fly in and go to the meeting? But also that struggle of, but the reason that I don't work full time is to spend time with my daughter. So is that fair to her or really to me to agree to those things? So I think one thing that I've really learnt and, and I'm still working on is just trying to be very much I'm super excited about this work I really want to be involved that day's difficult for me is there a chance we could reschedule it or could I contribute before and catch up after mm. and I think for me it's been really a case of trying to be clear with my boundaries but like you say trying to keep the positivity and the enthusiasm so that it doesn't become a I can't go so I won't be involved but trying to keep it that I want to really be involved in this Mm. work but could we move it or is there flexible a way for me to still be involved if I can't make that meeting Mm. and I think 
it's certainly easier when there's a consistent message around around that. And, you know, even if you miss a meeting this time because it's on a Monday when they schedule the next meeting, hopefully they'll remember that you can't do certain days. Whereas I think when in some ways, when you get drawn into that flex of kind of making things work to get to something, then it can easily be seen as, oh, they can come. It's no problem. Mm. Even if they're actually the personal cost to you for making that work was quite high. So I think a combination of trying to be flexible where possible, but also trying to have those clear boundaries so that Mm. people can be a little bit flexible around you as well. Mm. It's an interesting example because it sounds like that was, you know, that's a project that you're very passionate about probably. But so actually some interesting research for people who are geeks. (laughs) Emilia Ibarra has found that people who work on projects outside of their day-to-day stuff tend to get more promoted. So obviously if then you come back from maternity leave and you end up not doing that, which uh, as you say, you know, may be fine for a period. But if you end up not engaging in those stretch projects, those strategic projects, you actually do, are doing damage to your potential for yeah. progression. So I love your example of actively managing it and getting people to also take responsibility for making it easier for you. And I think another thing is, is probably making strategic choices. But, you know, what are the key strategic things you want to be involved in and then try to be involved in those and yes. try to make an impact there so that you still get the visibility. No, definitely. I think that becoming more selective about what you do or don't agree to has been really mm. another key thing for me. And that whereas before having children, I did have essentially the time and flexibility to spread myself quite thinly but still get good results I think now it is much both being more senior and having the three children has meant that you know I have to be really selective about what I want to devote my time to because I've also realized that I can't do 50 things well if I want Mm. to be successful and have an impact I have to do that in a small number of things that I really commit to to get those results and to try to make that work around around the rest of my Mm my life yeah it sounds like you shifted your paradigm your thinking around that is, is that fair to say yeah definitely I think that you know I've become much more realistic with myself about what I can and can't achieve but also you know have very high expectations that if I do commit to something I want it to be successful and I want to be present in that mm. in that project and that role and so I, I probably say no to a lot more things now than I used to but when I say yes to something I'm I'm quite determined that we're going to make mm. it successful and I think that's that's been quite important and actually that's absolutely fine because if you think of the stereotypical CEO on a golf course and you know who who can only be reached through his PA who turns down most meetings and who says no to most initiatives you know those people they're also very strategic they're very senior people and actually I think it's a skill to be able to say no obviously and also skills to say yes to the right people at the right right things and can you give an example of something that you've you've chosen to invest your time in and how you made it work to be able to to push that piece of work forward? Yeah, so I mean, there's a quite a few really exciting projects that I'm involved in at the moment. But one thing that I'm super passionate about is um, that I'm at the moment, I'm the lead for Bart's Health Trust for mm-hmm. the teenage and young adult service. So trying to kind of really create some exciting work around the health of not just children, but sort of teens and young adults and thinking about how they move from children's to adult services, which we know is a really challenging time for young people. And I was given this opportunity to to take on this role quite shortly after I came back from maternity leave. And I was both slightly daunted by it, but also really excited. And I knew that this was quite a big stretch for me because it's, it's quite a lot more strategic work. And also some of the meetings for this do lie outside my normal working days. But because it's something that I'm so passionate about, I was really determined that I would really wanted to take this on and make it work. And so I'm still working on how I can best be successful in this role. But I think because this is something that's so important to me, I have been prepared to be a little bit flexible on the days that I work. And there's been a couple of times that I have done some work around this on a Tuesday, which is not normally a day I work. But also I've been really open with the team that that I'm working with on it, that I don't work full time and that I am really excited about it, but I'm asking them to be a bit flexible with some Mm. things. And actually they have been so supportive of that. And I think that there's been a real kind of give and take around 
around making it work. And I feel it's been an, an example for me of where being really open and honest from the start about my, you know, sort of limitations on when I can be free mm. has been really successful and that people have responded really positively to that. Mm. And so, yeah, I think in the past, sometimes I've tried to almost hide that I'm not working full time. I've been like, yeah, yeah, I can try and get to that because I've, you know, been nervous of, of people thinking, oh, she's only a part time or she's not committed. But actually, certainly in with this piece of work that sort of honesty and transparency from the start around when I am and I'm not available has been really positive for me Mm. yeah I can see a theme of clarity coming coming through here absolutely and I think if you are just going back to the initial pregnancy stage or being maternity I think sometimes there's a bit of a tension between being that clear like you have been with your team and also internally actually not quite knowing yet especially if it's the first big project you're taking on so if, uh, or let's say, you know, you're, you, you have a conversation with your boss before you go and leave and you tell him or her, um, this is, this is how I see my work pattern happening. I think it's really important to give your freshest thinking clearly and have clear boundaries within that, but then also allow yourself to say, this is my freshest thinking rather than this is what I'm committing to forever. That helps you to make it easier if you know you come to that um, yes managing I, com- other people. I completely agree and actually for me it's been it's definitely been an evolving thing and I think I've only reached this point of clarity around what I can and can't do actually because I've had three children and become more senior and I think it's absolutely right and I think often one of the things that people find challenging and I, I certainly did is that almost before you've even had your first child people are, are saying oh you know what are you going to do when you come back are you going to work full-time how long are you going to take on maternity leave and it is really difficult I think to make those decisions before you've had your baby. And even when you've got a very new baby, it's very hard to know how you're going to feel. And even for myself, looking forward, I can very much see that things may change in the future. I'm not planning any more children now. And so when my youngest child goes to school, which will be still a few years away, but you know, in the medium term, I can see that five years from now, I'll have three children all in school. And I'm conscious that what currently works for me, which is working three long days, you know, may not be the best setup for me in the medium to long term. And so even now when I'm talking with my seniors about, you know, what might happen in, in you know, five years time, I'm, I'm also having to explain to them, this is what works now, but I'm not saying that this will be how things will be forever. And I think, you know, it is really important to, to kind of bring that understanding to ourselves and also try to kind of include that in the messaging that we give, because yeah, it, it's absolutely normal for things to change. Mm. I want to ask you, do, do you think you've changed as a leader, having had children? I'm very lucky, I think, in that I definitely think that for me, being a mother has made me better at my job. And I can see that my job as a paediatrician, you know, that's very easy to see why that would be the case. And that, you know, ha- being a mum has made me much more kind of empathetic, empathetic and also kind of given me a better understanding of the challenges that parents face. And, and you know, also kind of just in understanding child behaviour and, and health and illness. But I think beyond the sort of very clinical part of my job. I think for all of us, being a parent gives new skills and new understanding of situations that we can all bring to the workplace. And I think in terms of my my leadership, I think being a parent has definitely changed me. I think I'm more, more patient, I'm more understanding. Um, and I also think that I have got skills now in, in understanding the challenges that people that are more junior and having, and having children for the first time are facing. And do you think the results you achieve are with you, your team and also obviously with your direct work, do you think those are different in any shape or form because of the skills that you've learned? I, mean, I, as a parent? I, I mean, if not totally fine, I'm just interested. Yeah, I mean, in some ways I feel that I've been a mother now for sort of almost 10 years and I almost find it hard to compare <laughs> what I was like now to what I was, or, you know, to what I achieved before. I think that, I definitely think that I still feel very ambitious. I, I think um, for me, definitely the way I've worked has changed. And I think it's forced me to become more efficient and more, probably a bit more discriminating over what I can and can't do. But I definitely feel that, you know, I'm still achieving good work and producing good results. And I, and I don't have that sense that I would be better at my job or more successful if I hadn't had children. Mm, yeah, I love that. So actually, you know, you're saying the obvious, but sometimes it doesn't feel obvious that actually having children, it's not a... It's not a hindrance to your career. I definitely Mm. feel that, you know, for me, and I feel hugely lucky and privileged to say that. And I think that is, you know, in many ways, a testament to how supportive, you know, medical training and paediatrics and, you know, and and Bart's health have been 
to me. But I, I do feel that, you know, I, I genuinely can say that I don't feel I'd have a, a you know, better or more mm. senior or, you know, you know, sort of more prestigious position, you know, now than, than if I had never had mm. my children. And, and, and in many ways, I think that I'm better at my job for having, you know, for having mm. become a mother. Mm. And I do think from my experience that goes for lots of other jobs as well. I've had the privilege of interviewing quite a few people for the website and also for, for this podcast and this theme seems to be coming through that there are lots of strengths that you gain from being a parent. Not that non-parent aren't doing fantastic jobs, of course, but it, it is, it, it's not, as you say, it shouldn't be a hindrance to career development. But you must have had tough moments, I imagine. Do you mind sharing one of your toughest moments of combining a very ambitious leadership career with your kids? Yeah, I mean, gosh, there, there have been many, many times I've felt that it's all been a bit too much. And I think for me, one of the times that I actually found the hardest looking back was returning after my second maternity leave. So I talked quite a lot earlier about the challenges coming back the first time. And I definitely think the first time you do it, it's the newest. But in some ways, when I came back after my second, I think that I felt more confident before I came back. I felt I've done this before. It's going to be fine. But actually what happened was when I came back after my second child, my eldest child was just getting ready to start school and my youngest was just starting in nursery. I was in a new post and my husband had just started a new job as well. He's a, he's also a doctor. And I really found that return to maternity leave hard and I felt very stretched in different directions at home. I also found that my work I really didn't feel confident and I hadn't been quite so prepared not to feel confident. And I think it also really hit me having a child in school, how much I was not available for. Perhaps when my child had been at nursery, all the children at nursery were kind of there because their parents were, were at work. And so there was a very, very much an atmosphere of working mums, children in nursery. And when I went to school, it was sort of the first time I'd been in that environment where actually quite a few of the mums at school didn't work. And I think I found that quite a big adjustment to accepting that there were going to be things at school that I just couldn't get to and that I was going to have to be okay with that. And that was, I think, another period of transition for me, actually, in terms of my experience of being a working mother. And alongside that, that all came at the same time as just being back in a new post. And, and I remember that that first three or four months back was really challenging. And what made the biggest difference, actually, was uh, was seeking out a senior mentor. So she, a woman who was also a, she was a, also a pediatrician, but was very um, senior and also had had three children. And she really helped me to see that, you know, it was okay, that I was okay in my work, but also that it was okay to have children that were in childcare and not be there for everything. Mm. And, I, and even though all she really did was tell me that it was okay, she didn't fix it and she didn't make it all okay immediately but just that understanding that it was okay to feel like this I didn't that and that I could feel like this for a for a period without needing to make drastic changes and I think of all the times in my career that I felt most tempted to make a big change and say oh, I need to take a break from work or I need to cut back my hours that was the time I felt the most tempted and, and in a way just having that that someone telling me that it was okay to feel like this and I didn't need to rush and make changes and I should just see how things went for six months was really empowering and really allowed me to work through it at my own pace and just survive that time. Mm. And of course it all got better and I found a new way to make this our normal and, and everything improved. But I think it was really important to acknowledge that it was all right to feel like that. So, you know, we haven't... Touched on it yet? But we did talk in the lift briefly <laughs> coming up here about just the practicalities of <laughs> arranging it all uh, like a big puzzle. And I just wanted to um, ask if you could share just your practical childcare arrangements. How they've changed? What's working for you? Is anything that you've learned? Any, yeah, any yeah. wise wisdom? If Gosh, you have I any. Mean, well, <laughs> I mean, I've tried a few. We tried a few different things, and I think one of the things that's actually I've come to realize is that there isn't one perfect childcare solution and that it's also okay for things to change. So at the moment, I've got, so I've got my two eldest children go to school and then my youngest one is in nursery. So at the moment, our practical childcare is that the youngest one goes to nursery the three days a week that I work and the nursery is open from eight in the morning till six in the evening. And then my elder two are in school, but of course school is not that long. So school is nine till three. So what we have is we have a sort of part-time nanny or babysitter that, that comes to the house at 
so she comes to our house at, ha- at half past seven I go off to work and she gets everybody off to nursery and school and finishes breakfast and all that stuff and then she has some other commitments in the day and then she picks the children up from school at three they have a couple of hours um, with her and then they pick the baby up from nursery and then they all come home um, and she gives them their dinner and then I get home at seven and I think for us this works because we get it gives it gives us quite a long day to with childcare covered on those three days that I'm working and then the other two days we don't have any childcare and I look after the children and I think it works well at the moment. It means that holidays from school are a bit of a scramble and we are super lucky to have supportive grandparents who patch up some of that. But again, I, you know, I think it, it does change all the time. And I'm conscious that, you know, what works now might not be the best solution in the future and that we need to be prepared to be flexible. Well, when I first was pregnant, I just couldn't picture what you do if a child, well, if a child, yes, children do feel, um, finish school at 3 p.m. So... But uh, yeah, yeah, it sounds like there, you know, you do work these solutions out as you go. And then I'm, I'm sure yeah. we all will work it out when they're teenagers. And, and exactly. I mean, one thing that, well. that didn't, you know, I mean, everyone, everyone finds things that works, works for them. One thing that I learned didn't work brilliantly for me was when I had a really tight deadline to get to. So for a while, we, when I just had one child, they went to nursery and the nursery finished at six, which kind of meant that I had to leave work at 5.30 to get there for six. And while on paper this should have been fine with my job what it actually ended up meaning for me was that every day from about three o'clock I started getting really tense about finishing everything in time and having to leave and and I could see that in the end this was sort of impacting on my enjoyment really of work and also I think made me feel that I was always kind of being seen as the one that left first even if I think in retrospect perhaps that was not really true I definitely had that perception of myself and so for me building in that little bit of extra time at each end of the day on the days I do work has definitely allowed me to feel a little bit more relaxed and able to be fully present at work and part of the team Mm. on those days. Mm. Fantastic. Um, And obviously childcare is very different for different people and, you know, also with financial availability. But I think one thing that I heard once on a panel, I think it might have been Poppy Jaman who said it, I don't know if you remember, but, um, you know, that you're, investing oh no actually it was christine armstrong sorry for the misquotation there, <laughs> um but yeah that actually childcare is an investment in your career and even though at the end of the day there may not be that much that looks out at the other end it's really important if you do want to continue your career to not scrimp on childcare if you can um, although i know that that's very tricky as we yeah i mean i agree you know. i think you know especially in london the childcare costs are huge and i mm-hmm. think everyone you know, does sort of struggle with that. But yeah, I agree. I think, first of all, just sort of also acknowledging that it's not forever, that when they're little, that's when it's really expensive. Mm. And so even though it can seem like this huge burden, and you know, knowing that it, it won't always be this expensive, I think is helpful. Mm. And I also think it's really important not to try to get drawn into, you know, conversations around and thinking around, it's all of my salary is going on childcare, because that's not, I, I've never felt that that's a helpful way to look at it. First of all, it's it's not all of your salary because the childcare is usually something that's supporting both parents to work. Mm, very important, yeah. And, and also, as you say, it's an investment. So even if a large portion of you know your pay is going on on fees, it, that's protecting your future earnings and your future career prospects. So I think it's really important not to get, allow yourself and your you as a couple to be drawn into into sort of negative thinking around those costs that, mm. that might be damaging to your career. Do you have any favourite moments of combining an ambitious career with young children? And if yes, what was it? Well, so my my favourite moment that's always stayed with me, I think, an experience I had with my eldest child. So when he was five, he had an accident in the park when he cut his chin. He was with his dad in the park and I was on call at work. I got a phone call from my husband and he said, oh, he's cut his chin. I think it needs to be glued back together. And I'm going to bring him to the hospital where I was working at the time, which was our local hospital. And I was really, oh, it's horrible knowing that your child's been hurt. And they came. And as soon as he came, I could see that you know, he actually was all, he was all smiles. And one of my lovely senior colleagues cleaned him up and, and, you know, glued his chin back together and it was all fine. And then it was going to be that, you know, I, I had to stay at work. My shift had many hours to go yet and they were going to, going to leave. And I really thought that my son was going to get upset when he had to leave with his dad and and his dad had explained to him and I went over and I said oh you know you're, you're going to go home with daddy now and, and but I'm, I'm going to have to stay 
And he said, yes, mommy, you're going to stay because it's your job to make all these other children better. And he was so proud of me. And I was blown away, actually, to see that, you know, even though it was a Saturday and I wasn't going home with my child who'd been hurt and I felt quite badly about this, that actually it was fine because he was able to see that my work was important and he was so proud of me and, and I sort of felt proud of myself because of it. And I've really tried to keep that, you know, with me because actually not only do I love my job, but my children gain so much from seeing that, you know, I've got a career that I love and that's important. And so, yeah, that's probably my favourite time wow. that it all came together. <laughs> Is there anything else that was really helpful to you that you think would be useful to share with the listeners? Anything else that we haven't talked about yet that was helpful to you? One thing which we, I guess we haven't really talked about, but is really important to me personally, is just to try to be really open and visible to more junior colleagues about what I do. Because I think one of the things that's really important is to, to show more junior people who maybe haven't decided what they want to do with their careers yet, that it's possible to, to enjoy your job to not do it full time and to have children and, and to actually enjoy all of it. And so I'm very privileged in that I get to spend some of my time working with medical students who are still very young. Most of them are in their very early 20s. And, you know, they've decided to be doctors, but they've got lots of options open to them still. They, they have got lots of decisions to make. And I really try, when I, especially when I'm working with them, but also with junior doctors to, you know, be very clear. And I know I don't work full time. I work three days a week. Yes, I've got three children. And, you know, just to really be visible and open about that and to, and to invite people to ask you about it and to talk about it rather than trying to pretend that you're all things to all people, which is just mm. not possible. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I'm sure they really appreciate that. Um, you never know who may be thinking about adopting a child or having a baby. And by being a role model, you're influencing those people directly. And you're obviously doing a fantastic job at doing that. So thank you very much for that. Thank and that, you. that brings our podcast to an end. So a big, big thank you, Susie. I really enjoyed this conversation. If you enjoyed today's conversation, then you can support us by subscribing wherever you're listening to podcasts. And also, it would be fantastic if you can give us a five-star review because that really helps us reach the people who can benefit from this podcast. And of course, do tell your friends who may be able to benefit from what we've talked about today. If you have any questions or if you have any comments or thoughts or ideas, let me know. You can reach out on Twitter at, at leaders underscore plus. You can also email me on verena, V-E-R-E-N-A, at leadersplus.org.uk. And of course, if you have any ideas of fantastic guests I should interview, then do get in touch and let me know. Until next time, looking forward to it.